You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. The hottest takes in Congress today were during the Republican conference meeting chaired by Liz Cheney. And based on the feedback she received and her reaction to that feedback, I do not believe that Liz Cheney is the right person to lead the House Republican conference into this upcoming November election. Jim Jordan, my colleague, my mentor, my friend, made the case strongly that Liz Cheney is hurting President Trump. Jim pointed out Liz's opposition to the president's Afghanistan policy, the president's Germany policy, the president's response to coronavirus, her tweets attacking him, and frankly, her effort to try to oust Republican Thomas Massey. Liz Cheney backed a racist against Thomas Massey. Liz Cheney donated the maximum amount of money against Thomas Massey and his political campaign. And that is really quite something when she is supposed to be leading our conference. And there are a lot of people in our party who would not be in our party if it were not for the voices like Thomas Massey. Now, I'm not saying that every Republican's got to see the world exactly like I do. I know that many don't, but we're all on the same team. We're all supposed to be supportive of a Republican agenda, and we can disagree and work together to craft that agenda. But Liz Cheney doesn't view her role as chair of the conference as one of serving the Republican members. She seems to think we're there to serve her. That's not leadership. That's not what we need going into the election. That's not what President Trump needs going into the election. Representatives Paul Gosar, uh, Representative LaMalfa, Representative Jordan, myself, Representative Massey, Congressman Andy Biggs, who leads the Freedom Caucus, we all stood up to defend Thomas Massey, to stand with our president, and to call on Liz Cheney to be a better leader within the Republican conference. I hope that Liz reacts differently over the next several hours and days than she did in the conference meeting. When asked why she went after Thomas Massey, she just said, well, Thomas is a special case. And then later she said, well, we shouldn't make things personal. Well, when you, when you tell someone that they're a special case and that that justifies your attacks against them, it is explicitly personal. And so Liz was a hypocrite in today's discussion. She was ill-prepared to deal with, I think, the reality of the political environment where we're in, trying to re-elect the president as a Republican conference. And I think she's out of step with a majority of the Trump supporters and Republicans in the country. I do suspect that Liz still has substantial amount of support within the Republican conference because we got a lot of people in the Republican conference who aren't the biggest supporters of the president. And, and you know, that's not my viewpoint. It's not the way I think we ought to fight for the country. A final critique that Liz Cheney made of me is that, well, I'm in a documentary that's critical of Republicans, and we've talked about that on the show. What I'm critical of is a system in Washington that has been adopted by both Republicans and Democrats that's corrupt, that hands over legislating and decision-making to special interests and lobbyists and PACs. It's not a criticism of any one member. It's not even a reason for me to go out and oppose any one member in a primary. It's my effort to change things for the better. 
Liz Cheney today also attacked Congressman Jim Jordan by uh, implying that he is a divider and not a uniter in our conference. Let me be clear. Jim Jordan is the most talented, hardest working Republican in the United States Congress. Without the work that I did alongside Jim Jordan and Louis Gohmert, who also spoke up today, and Andy Biggs, uh, I think that things could have been very different in terms of the public perception of the Russia hoax and impeachment. But it was Jim leading the way alongside our small team that I think really turned the tides and exposed the Russia hoax for what it was. And at the time, our leadership was not only not supportive, some of the times they were actively throwing hurdles in our way. And so we should not have a conference chair in the Republican Party that offers slights against Jim Jordan, who criticizes me for calling out the corrupt PAC donation process in Washington, or who goes and supports a racist against Thomas Massey because she doesn't support Thomas's view. Or frankly, the fact that she resents that Thomas wanted all of Congress back here voting in person, which I completely agreed with and supported. I do not see how Republicans could contemplate taking back the majority in the Congress if we do not have leadership that will stand with our president and that will stand with our members and that will stop just shilling for the establishment and the lobbyists and the special interests. Liz Cheney should be better and our conference would be better if she were no longer the chair of it. Tucker Carlson, my good friend, being doxxed by the New York Times, the purported paper of record that at times does seem to do more harm to the country than good with misinformation and at times inaccurate reporting and in this case just downright evil uh, willing to do harm to someone's family because they don't like their politics here's Tucker's take last week the New York Times began working on a story about where my family and I live as a matter of journalism there is no conceivable justification for a story like that the paper is not alleging we've done anything wrong, and we haven't. We pay our taxes, we like our neighbors, we've never had a dispute with anyone. So why is the New York Times doing a story on the location of my family's house? Well, you know why. To hurt us. To injure my wife and kids so that I will shut up and stop disagreeing with them. They believe in force. We've learned that. Two years ago, a left-wing journalist publicized our home address in Washington. A group of screaming Antifa lunatics showed up while I was at work. They vandalized our home. They threatened my wife. She called 911 while hiding in a closet. A few weeks later, they showed up again at our house. For the next year, they sent letters to our home threatening to kill us. Their story about where we live is slated to run in the paper this week. Editors there know exactly what will happen to my family when it does run. I called them today and I told them, but they didn't care. They hate my politics. They want this show off the air. If one of my children gets hurt because of a story they wrote, they won't consider it collateral damage. They know it's the whole point of the exercise, to inflict pain on our family, to terrorize us, to control what we say. And the impact of these doxing events and making people less safe by exposing their information is real. Uh, last year, I was on the Tucker Carlson program explaining uh, the very real, threatening, impact of uh, the death threats that we get as members of Congress and, and frankly my frustration that the FBI isn't doing enough about it. Here was that interview. I received word late last week that the U.S. Attorney's Office where this individual lived had reviewed the information and had deemed these messages and I'm quoting directly a non-threat. Uh, it's obviously a, f a crime, a federal crime to make these types of threats against any federal official 
this year we're on, not th this Congress, I should say, we're on record for 10,000 threats against members of Congress, and I condemn them, whether they're against Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, you know, th this is just no way to operate within our country. And I just wonder, like, is it the fact that I've been a critic of some of the senior officials at the FBI that maybe leads to different treatment for the people who threaten me as opposed to the people who actually get arrested who have threatened Eric Swalwell, uh, you know, uh, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. Those people actually get arrested, whereas when people threaten conservatives, I, I hope there's not a double standard. But, I mean, you heard the messages, and there were even other messages where they threatened my family, Tucker. The New York Times should do better. People's families and homes should be protected. And one thing I know, Tucker Carlson and his family absolutely protect themselves with the Second Amendment. I hope it doesn't come to that. Certainly, we ought to be able to disagree about politics without putting other people at the threat of physical violence. Chicago, one of the great cities in the United States of America, is under siege as a consequence of violence, and there may be too much political fear to ask for help. Now, why is this happening? With Democrats deciding to demonize and defund the police, we see the interactions between police and members of the community fundamentally changing. Folks are far more willing to, uh, I think, deny the authority of the police and to generate conflict, and that's creating the types of retirements, uh, the recruiting problems that we've chronicled on the podcast, but the scoop from the Washington Examiner's Emma Colton is that Chicago Alderman says the city is too afraid to ask Trump for help from the violence. And the story comes from Chicago Alderman Anthony Napolitano. Here were his comments on Fox and Friends. Going through the neighborhoods and talking to everybody, everyone kind of sees the writing on the wall right now. And, and it, it's a state thing as well. We, we see and what we believe is that um, people are too afraid right now to ask the president for help because if it does work, they're going to make the president look like a success. Uh, and it's a political move. And, and I, I believe what the FOP president said, uh, like I said in the last time on your show, it's time to start putting people first. Uh, yeah. We are dealing with crime at biblical proportions right now in Chicago. And it is a shame that any city would feel like politics would limit them from being able to protect their people, engage the federal government as a partner where appropriate, and do what we can to preserve our great country. We shouldn't have the great cities of our nation devolve into war zones on the streets. It shouldn't happen in Seattle or Portland or Chicago. And I'm glad President Trump is taking strong action. Now we only need local leadership to have the same courage and the same resolve and at least to work with us as partners. A new Wall Street Journal NBC poll is out. And the conclusion is that Americans believe our society to be racist. This is deeply saddening to me because America is not a racist society. This survey of 900 registered voters and, you know, who knows, were they in, were they all in the Chaz? Were they all in California? Uh, I don't, I don't know the methodology of the poll. I'll have to look into it. But 900 registered voters, 56% say that America is a racist society. Now, unquestionably, there are people with ugly views in the United States as there are people with ugly views in every society. But America is not a racist country. America is a great country, a caring and compassionate country. We've let in more immigrants than functionally any other country in existence in the modern era. 
we have extended grace. We go and, and do all we can so that people around the world can taste freedom, economically, politically, and otherwise. We wouldn't do that if we were a racist society. Moreover, we've seen, I think, tremendous progress on the issue of race in America. Of course, our founding had, had very ugly, tragic, bizarre, and indefensible circumstances append to it. That could be true of, of almost any society of humans. And as we came out of the Civil War, of course, Jim Crow was not the right way to reconcile, rebuild, and stitch together a torn nation. But if we look at where we stand today uh, with you know, African-American unemployment, Hispanic-American unemployment at, at some of the lowest rates ever before coronavirus, uh, we certainly see that the opportunity gap is being closed. Certainly our education system is one reason why as we educate our students together in an, in an equal and successful learning environment, we could see all students rise. I don't think anyone is predetermined for failure in our schools or in our economy as a consequence of their race, anyone at all. And so I'm saddened that in this poll it seems to reflect that there are Americans who do disagree with that premise that we are caring and compassionate and that we don't just subjugate people as a consequence of their race. Uh, I don't see that when I'm out in America. I don't see that feeling presented. And maybe it's just the case that these polls are skewed by virtue of who is answering them. You know, maybe 56% of the people who want to answer a Wall Street Journal NBC News poll feel this way. But where I live, with the people I talk to, I think most folks love America. And in these times, we need to love her ever stronger. Fire the white people first. It's a terrible thing to say. It's a terrible thing to think. No one should be hired or fired or given or deprived an opportunity in this great country as a result of the color of their skin. It should be as a result of people's merit, of what they can do to help their fellow Americans or serve a business or a community. But that's not what Seattle City Council member Lisa Herbold thinks. She suggested that personnel terminations in the Seattle Police Department be made on the basis of race. The Post-Millennial has the report. It comes from Ari Hoffman. And I am sickened that a member of an elected government in the United States of America would adhere to such a racist viewpoint when it comes to human resources. I mean, we do everything we can to try to tell young people that the color of your skin, the conditions of your birth, the people you love, the faith that you choose to adopt is not something that will dictate your life circumstances in the United States of America. But, of course, in Seattle, they're wanting to defund the police, and so there are going to be terminations. And they literally are talking, at least this one city council member, about making those determinations and making those terminations on the basis of race. It is explicitly racist, it is disgusting, and frankly the Department of Justice should get involved to protect the civil rights of anyone, black, white, or otherwise, who is fired or treated differently in an employment opportunity as a consequence of the color of their skin. It is un-American. Lisa Herbold, do better in Seattle. The circumstances in Seattle from a safety and public health standpoint 
continue to deteriorate as a result of lawlessness. Violent vandalism again in downtown Seattle leaves businesses forced to board up. The people causing that destruction clearly came wanting to do that. They were dressed to do it. They had the implements to do it. They were, you know, most people when they go to protest are not, you know, camouflaged head to toe wearing helmets and goggles and carrying baseball bats or inflammatory devices. We must make sure that this does not spread to our other cities, to our other communities, that our police do not feel like they're barricaded and under siege in their police department, that they're a target when they go out on patrol to respond to calls and to help people. We can do better than what we see in Seattle now, and I think that President Trump is mobilizing a federal force to ensure that our communities remain free and safe and prosperous. Certainly we don't militarize beyond what is necessary here on our homeland, but that we absolutely create the safe conditions for law-abiding people to enjoy this great country without the fear of the type of political terrorism we see in Seattle. Thanks so much for listening to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, leave us a review, and make sure to join us tomorrow for more hot takes.